0: July. You know, it's kind of, uh, it is kind of weird to have, you know, like Christmas, you can say Merry Christmas the whole month. You don't say Merry December 25th. So, you know, happy 4th of July is kind of hard to do on the day before, right? But anyway, uh, happy birthday to America, 240 years, 240 years. I do have a memory of the 200th, the bicentennial. Does anybody remember the 200th birthday, the bicentennial? Raise your hands high and proud. I was a child. I was an infant. I was small. I was in my mother's womb. No, actually, I was... I was alive, and uh, I do remember that 4th of July, and that was really, really fun. Um, I have, you know, I've been trying to think of some fun, funny stories to open up our 4th of July service here with, and and that kind of thing, and I really can't think of any. I never really liked 4th of July, because the fireworks scared me. Is anybody else kind of along the lines with me? When you were a kid, did they kind of scare you? Yeah, you know, it's just kind of like, what's that? All the time, and and I was just sure that. Oh, I do have a funny story, though. I do have a funny story. I just remembered when Dwayne and I first started ministry. We were youth pastors, and we were young. Everybody say young, Young. and you know it's something about uh, youth pastors. You know they put the young in charge of the even younger, right? (laughs) So uh, we were we were our first year out the gate to be youth pastors, and uh, we were trying to put together a youth camp. And we just had a month or two to put it together. And if any of you have ever tried to book a, a lodging or book a place, you usually have to do that a year in advance. We just had a month out. So the only date available was the 4th of July. So um, we, we scheduled a huge youth camp on the 4th of July. And we took a lot of flack because they were all saying, but what about fireworks? And we said, ah, just bring them. Just bring them. We're going to have a lot of fun. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We had probably 100 kids with suitcases full of fireworks. It w- <laughs> I am surprised we brought everyone home, first of all, alive, but with all of their fingers and toes on them, because it was bad. It was really bad. And by the time we were done, I was a raving maniac. Put that away! You know, and I'm running around dousing them. Anyway, I do believe we did have to take somebody to the hospital. Did we take somebody? Yes, we did. I try to forget those things. But anyway, so that's my funny story of the 4th of July. Yes, don't ever plan a camp. And don't, yeah, don't ever do that. It just, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. But uh, let's go ahead and turn our uh, attention to the word. And uh, let's get into what I believe that the Lord has for us. Uh, today. I am going to read what is fast becoming my favorite holiday scripture. Uh, I used it in December. I used it a few weeks ago for Father's Day, and I get to use it again. So uh, let's just do it again. Isaiah 9-6. Turn to that, and you're going to see what I, why I say that. Uh, you know, it's, pretty, it's applicable to many. It, uh, it starts off, "...for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given." and the government will be on his shoulders. That's the part I like about for today. And the government shall be on his shoulders. The government shall be on his shoulders. Government in that a scripture there, in that verse, government means power. Government means the overseeing of and the empire, the entire empire, not just the government of, of a small thing, not just a government of, of your mind and will and emotions, though he wants to be over that too. But the government, the empire, the entire thing, the kit and caboodle, the whole thing rests on his shoulders. And the, the connotation that he wants us to get with that, that idea of his on his shoulders, what do you put on the shoulders of somebody? You put a plow, you put, you put a yoke, you put the burden of it. He wants to carry, and he is saying that his shoulders, he will carry the weight of the government. Amen. That's coming, and it is now, in Jesus' name, amen? So um, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, so happy birthday, America. I uh, love America. I absolutely adore the pilgrims, as you all well probably know if you've been around me for very long. I love stories about the history of, of America and all of that. And uh, so today we're going, to, we're going to kind of broaden it out just a hair, though I will talk about America. We're going to broaden it out a little bit about the nations. Are you okay with that? Okay, so a few statistics about America. First of all, uh, we we are not the top of education anymore, unfortunately. I don't know what they're using to kind of decide, but we're right up there on education. But what we are the top on is that we are the country that every other country sends their elite to. So we are the country right now that is educating all of the, the, the presidents and the kings and, you know, all of any, If you are somebody in the world, you send your children to America to be educated. So America is educating the world's leaders. We are. Hence, Brianna and everyone else, go into teaching. Who knows who you have sitting in your little classroom there, amen? Let's The church needs to rise up and be the teacher's not the other way around. Amen. So that's what we're number one. We are also number one on uh, the, fir- the top country that sends out missionaries. Did you know that? We send out the most missionaries out of the whole world. In fact, in 2010, that's the earliest uh, numbers I could get, we sent out 127,000 missionaries that year. Number two was Brazil at 34,000. So America is missionizing the world. America has a world view. You know, New Horizon has it. We're always sending missionaries out. We've, got, we've always got teams going and something going on. We have a nation, you know, a global view. Uh, but we also are um, number one. Well, actually, I just gave, gave away the, the, the prize there. Who do you think is the highest nation that receives the most amount of missionaries? America. We get the most Other nations are looking at it going, you need help. (laughs) We're coming to you. (laughs) We're coming to you. So we get the most missionaries sent to us as well. We are number two in giving. We are not number one. We've always been number one until just recently. Would you believe we've been passed up with a little tiny country called Myanmar? Burma. Burma. Uh, Giving into charitable uh, foundations and charitable, you know, charities and churches and stuff like that. But, you know, never mind that they are Buddhist and you have to. In that country, see this country. You don't have to, but this country is filled with generosity, and uh, so that's really cool. Now we are kind of high on some things that I'm not quite so proud of. Did you know that America produces eighty-nine percent of all pornography of the world? Eighty-nine percent. I don't know where they get the nine, but somehow they figured it out. Eighty-nine percent of all pornography in the world is originated here at in America. Thought up, purebred, artistically done, I'm sure, pornography. We are number one in the number of prisons. We are the highest consumer uh, rating number of goods gotten. Does that make sense? We are number two in beer production. We're number three in divorce. And we're number four in abortion. Followed, uh, we follow behind China, Russia, and uh, Vietnam, believe it or not, for abortions. So America's kind of a mixed bag at this moment, wouldn't you say? Mixed bag. But I don't want it to stay that way. How about you? There are 192 nations in the world, according to the UN. To become a nation, you have to have a territory. You have to have land. You have to have a little piece of property and you draw lines around it, and you say, this is my nation, right? And you have a border. To have a nation, uh, the UN requires you not only to have territory, but you have to have a population. You have to have people in that little chunk of land. Fair enough. You also need a government. So you need uh, territory, people, and a government. And then finally, and it's kind of the weird thing, to be considered a nation, you have to have the ability to interact with other nations. I don't know how they rate that. Apparently, they rate it by, and in the article that I was reading, you had a better chance of qualifying for a nation if you could somehow pull together an Olympic team of some sort. So if you could send somebody to the Olympics, you'd get an like, a increased notch in becoming a nation. Pretty funny, huh? So, uh, so the, the UN uh, recognizes 192 nations, uh, whereas, is it F-I-F-A? What's the soccer? How do you... What does that stand for? Corruption. (laughs) Well, apparently, the UN recognizes 192 nations, and FIFA, whoever they are, whatever it stands for, recognizes 208. So apparently, there's how many more? 16 more nations that have, uh, I don't know, how does that work? They're sending, they got a soccer team. They got at least how many? 12? 15? 15? In their nation, but that's what it takes to become a nation. Now, according to the Bible, the Bible has talks a lot about nations, and it's, it's kind of interesting. The Bible talks a lot about nations. God loves the nations, and a lot of times He'll speak of the nations. He'll speak of peoples. He'll speak of tribes. He'll speak of, you know, the tongues coming together and all of that kind of thing. So language has a lot to do with a nation. And uh, God loves the nations. The story of the nations in the Bible actually starts very, very, very early in the word. In fact, it starts, I believe, where I feel it starts is in Genesis 2. And uh, I'm, uh, if you want to turn in your Bible to there, I'm not going to necessarily, uh, I'm just going to kind of sweep through this. But I believe that the nations, the story of the nations starts in Genesis 2. And by this time, God has created the entire world, right? Trees and plants and da da da, da and male and female. And, and he puts them in the garden. And uh, in Genesis 2, 8, in fact, you know what, go ahead and turn there. Genesis 2, 8. I want you to see this. Um, Genesis 2, 8. It says, um, bless you. Now, the Lord had planted a garden in the east, in the Eden, and he put man uh, that he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees that grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there's three types of trees. First of all, there's all the trees, and then there's a Uh, Tree of life and then there's the tree of knowledge of good and evil and actually the Bible is very very clear here He says God says you may eat of all of that Except for one the tree of the knowledge of good and evil So the understanding is that while Adam and Eve were in the garden They were eating all sorts of wonderful fruit off of the trees and all of the trees and from the tree of life And that is what many scholars believe was going to set up an eternal relationship between God and man. But if you remember right, uh, God made it very clear, but if you go and you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Remember that? One lousy tree that they could, millions that they could partake of, but that one, that one got them. And Adam and Eve, you know the story so well, they, they went to that tree and they ate of it, and uh, they began to partake of death. And God says that uh, the word says that they had to be uh, taken out of the garden lest they reach out their hand and continue to eat from the tree of life and live forever. So sin, the sin of rebellion, brought in death. Now, from that moment on, and this is key. From that moment on, good and evil, right and wrong, wickedness and righteousness has set up a warfare within every single human being. God has given every single one of us as an agent of choice. And that we get to choose between godliness and righteousness and goodness and, and all of that. Or we can choose uh, Satan and, and darkness and evil and disobedience. And inside of every human being, and I am looking at many here today, inside of all of us, there is a war that goes on on the inside of us. And inside of us, that war is fought to the death. The, the New Testament talks about how there you know the the our flesh and our spirit are at war with one another and one will win there is carnage going on on the inside of you that was birthed the moment that humanity reached out and took that apple and sinned there is carnage inside of you why do you say carnage carnage because something has to die either your flesh has to die with all of its cravings and desires and selfishness and rebellion and negativity and power and greed, or either that has to die by the spirit overcoming it, or that will overcome the spirit of life inside of you. You are at war, and there must be carnage. Something has to die. And I am looking at a group of people here today that I believe have really chosen and desire and and are seeking after the flesh within them to die and the spirit within them to rise up and live and influence and 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 live and live and live and live and live. Wherever a human is found, you're going to find this war. And as Adam and Eve were cast out of that garden, and as they begin to have children, and as they begin to proliferate, pr- whatever that word is, perforate perifli- prol- proliferate, not pr- perforate, <laughs> proliferate. But they, as they began to proliferate and cover the earth, they would congregate together. And that grouping of people, really what is it? It is a group of humans waging a war on the inside. And a group of people that want to call themselves a nation is really just a collective of humans that are in a war. And wherever those humans have found themselves in the war within is what will then will pr- be lived out in the nation that they are together in. Amen? And, and if, if, if for some reason those people who gather together have allowed their flesh to live and their spirits to be quiet and have allowed greed and power and control and and all of those kinds of things to rise up, they will look at another group of people and say, I want what you have. Give it to me or I'll kill you. And carnage has ensued. And so forth since the beginning of time, since the dawn of time. See, I happen to believe in creation. So I believe that humanity has been about their business for about 6,000 years. Not bajillions, six thousand. And if you were to read the history books, they only go about back about six thousand years. But how many of you have read your history book? Isn't it about wars and wars and then and then this war and then that war and then this war? That is what history is. And heroes rising up in the midst of wars. Right, Mickey? He's got his degree. His, am I right? So in your head, there is a thousand wars that you know about, probably even more than I do, right? Huh? Countless war. This is where it's come from. But it originates within the war within. So, history, years and years, wars, countries, groupings of people. Dealing with things and wanting, but but not having, and overcoming, and wanting to control, and wanting to be in charge of everything. But God set it up that there is not a, We will never see a world uh, that is governed by a man. See, God separated the nations at the Tower of Babel when it says in the Bible that all of the peoples, instead of scattering and inhabiting the earth, gathered together on the plain of Shinar there. And they gathered together, and the Bible says that whatever they set their mind to, they were going to do. And the connotation was towards evil. And God was not going to have it. So He came down and He struck those people in a matter of a moment, scattering their tongues, scattering their, their, their languages, so that no longer can humanity, congregate together and try to do everything all at once together. Because he knows. He knows the fight and the war that we are in within. And there is is a time. There is a time when all the things are going to come together under one government. But it's never going to be under humanity. The king of all the nations, Jesus Christ, will bring that to pass. But until that day... It won't happen yet. We're going to try. There's going to be a lot of trying. But it can't succeed until God brings it all back together again. And just on side note, he will bring the languages back together again because his language is the language of the Spirit. And we partake of it even now. Kind of cool. But that's another sermon. So history coming up. um, Hundreds and thousands literally of years of Nations and tribes and separation and, and life and births and deaths and wars. Uh, along about the late 1500s, there was a group of people in England and in Europe that decided uh, they were going to go and find some new land, right? You know, was, we're filling up the world, and, the, and not everything had been populated or, or conquered, And so a group of people from England sent over and they started a colony, Roanoke. Anybody know about Roanoke? The lost colony. Didn't work. They all died. Somehow they all disappeared. The second colony that they uh, planted was called Jamestown. What do you remember about Jamestown? Indians, yeah. Native Americans. Jamestown was based and started out of greed. It was a tobacco uh, uh, plantation. It was, it was started out of so much greed and personal gain and um, selfishness that they never planted crops those first couple of years they are, to eat, to sustain them, to to help the the colony, they only planted tobacco. All in their roads they planted tobacco, in their front yards, in their backyards. They nearly died numerous, numerous times because they weren't they were after it for personal gain, negativity. So I would probably say that the vast majority of Jamestown, their flesh was leading them, not their spirit. And if you want to read their story, read this book, it is an amazing book. This is a fantastic book to get your, get your history down. But that's Jamestown. So then after Jamestown, they, they planted another colony named? Apparently, we need a class in this. Plymouth. Plymouth, the pilgrims. And uh, those people came over here for a totally different reason. They did not come here to make money. They did not come here to plant tobacco. They did not come here to, you know, become something great. They came here because they believed that God wanted a new nation to be to be established as the a city on the hill, a light on the hill, a city of David, a place where the Lord's light would shine. And so when they came here, they started uh, uh, their calling was based and founded on something very separate. Every single one of them had overcome the flesh and was living 100% in the spirit. Or I don't know if you could really say that, but you know what I'm talking about, right? So two very, very different situations. And this is the foundation of the America that we face. Two very, very different foundations. Our Constitution and everything that America has become was seeded and came up out of Plymouth. Everything. The Mayflower Compact sounds so much like the Constitution, it's crazy. So this country was founded on Christian beliefs, and don't let anyone ever tell you separately. But during that time, there was a vying for ideology even at that point. There was a vying for ideology just like there is today. This is nothing new. Don't feel like we used to be fantastic and now we're not. Don't feel like the generations before you had it easy and now you got it hard because it ain't. You don't have it any harder than the previous generations. We are here and placed to affect the war between the spirit and between the flesh. We are here to make a difference in America. We, our generation, see, our generation is a collective of us. Those past generations were a collective of them and what they did in the Spirit and where they went. But we have our opportunity now. We can't live in what they did. We can stand on their shoulders, but we can't just rely on that. We have to be what we are called to be. Amen? Amen? But we do find ourselves in a very different situation. At this point, pretty much every grain of earth has been claimed by some nation. There's no new territory to go take. In fact, I was thinking, well, there's Antarctica, right? I figured somebody in the world, in in the, the sanctuary, would say, hey, what about Antarctica? Did you know that Antarctica is actually claimed right now by seven countries? Seven countries have said that it's theirs. Norway, France, Argentina, Australia, Chile, the UK, and New Zealand are all staking a claim to Antarctica. What are they going to do with that place anyway? Well, they all think it's theirs. So we're going to have a war over Antarctica, potentially. But the nations are filling in. We've got 7.4 billion people. The world is different now than it has been in the past, contrary to just what I just said. It's different in makeup, yet the call is the same. We have a different playing board, but the rules are still the same. And we stand here now as a generation on the brink of what we're going to do with it, the influence that we have, and you have tons of influence. But it's different now. What used to be localized is now globalized. It used to be that there were a few rogue countries that were immoral and, and struggling with their economies, and, and that country would fall and it really didn't shake anything else. But now it's not that way. Immorality is now globalized. Of the 192 nations, only six nations at this point have laws against abortion. Only six out of 192. We are facing and looking at an entire globe that is taking their children and murdering them. We're not looking at just like an empire, like Rome did it for a while and they fell, or, or a country here or there, but now we're looking at the entire globe. Even now, around the entire globe, innocent babies are being killed. At the, you know, for the the wonderful feeling of, I get my own way. It's a nuisance. I can't. What? Around the globe, at this point, and it used to be not this way, but at this point in time, there are only ten nations that have laws on their books against homosexuality. And this is a shift, huge shift, in the last year or two or three. There's only ten nations that have, legislated, have legislation right now against homosexuality. And those ten nations are ones that are ruled by Sharia law. The rest of the free world has opened up their legal system to that. This is no longer one certain nation or two or a couple or a, a little area that is dealing with sexual immorality. It is not just that. Now we're looking at a global phenomenon. Our economics are all now so tied together. You all know it. When one nation quakes, they all quake. I don't know of any nation that's really strong. Does anybody know of a nation that's really strong? at this point? Help me out. I'm not a real big ec- economist. Come up to me afterwards and straighten me out. Terrorism. I, you know, I'm going to give you all the bad news, and then we're going to get back to good news, right? Terrorism and wars in the uh, from 1900 until now, 150 million humans have been killed in just 100 years. It's a worldwide thing. What used to be, you know, it used to be that conflict was never. You know, we were never able to get the whole world together. Now we've had two world wars in 100 years. So conflict is now beginning to congeal as a a global thing. Genocides and uh, deaths by um, dictators, 98 million. So just at 250 million people have been killed in the last 100 years just by those kinds of things. The last time I know of especially in the Bible, or in the Bible, where the whole earth is alluded to regarding something is in Genesis, Genesis 6, where God says that in the time of Noah, the whole earth was filled with violence. The whole earth was filled with wickedness. The whole earth, the whole earth, and this is where we find ourselves again. Now, if you read Genesis 6 and 7 and 8, it really didn't turn out well. But we're in the New Testament now. We have a whole new situation in front of us. But I will say, when it uncovers the entire earth, God is very, very, very involved. He's very involved. Out of the the world right now, Christianity is 31.5%. Islam is 22%. Atheist is 15%. And the rest are a smattering of many others. Christianity is the strongest world view. Though it is not a majority, it is the strongest world view. So what are we doing? What is it, what's going to happen? You know, where are we headed with all this? I don't know necessarily. You can read Revelation and get ten different you know, interpretations. So I'm not going to fight over the little things. But I am going to say that he has a thing. He has something for us today. He has a call on our lives. And that's what we need to be the most concerned with. Matthew 24, verses three, verse 3 Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, Matthew 24, verse 3. Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately, and they said, Tell us, when when will all this happen? When will the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. And nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all of these things are the beginning of the birth pangs. That is, that, that is our description of today. So, but what are we supposed to do today? What is our call? In the midst of this epic struggle, in the midst of this globalized now, bringing together, coalescing of all of the nations that have filled in the entire earth, what are we supposed to do? Where is God? What is he up to right now? Turn to, verse, uh, to Psalm 46, and I believe that this is to be... Our hearts cry and the place that we find ourselves. Psalm 46, and I'm gonna read the whole thing. God is our refuge and strength, an ever present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains shake, quake at their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most holy dwells. God is within her and she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations that he's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. What is God saying to his people? The people who are birthed and born and set in this generation at this moment and this time. No, you were not 20 years ago. No, you were not 50, 100 back, back when the Great Awakening was happening. No, you were not at this time or that time. Though I wished I was a pilgrim, I am not. I am 2016 woman standing here. What God should I do? And he says right here, though the nations yell and scream and roar and though the mountains fall into the sea and though this happens and that happens, I am in charge. I am over them. And what I want you to do is to shh, shh be still, shh, shh. I don't know about you, but I get scared. I get a little nervous. I get a little whiny. God, when are you going to move? When are you going to, when, when are you going to take care of all this? God says, be still. Do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. fear. Raise your hand right now and say, I will not fear, I will not fear. If God's people will not shake in fear at this moment of time, then we will be emotionally and mentally and everything prepared to do what we got to do. But if you, the mighty ones, you, the one that have God living inside of your hearts, if you're quaking in fear, you're going to be so sidetracked with worry and so that when God tells you to do something or when he's calling you to do something, when he calls you to pray, you're not even going to pray right. Oh, Jesus, help us, please. No. He doesn't need that kind of prayer right now. He needs somebody to pray who's praying with some faith. Be still. If you're going to say anything, you better line up with Jesus or... And you don't just... and worry on the inside. The scripture says, be still, calm, chill, and know I'm God. I'm God. I'm God, I got this, I'm God, that's where we start, Psalm 46, just keep on going, no, 47, that was 47, what was that, 46, now 47, (laughs) I read both of these with Austin the other day, the other morning when I was, we were getting ready in the morning, and I thought, yep, that's it, Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great King over all the earth. He subdued the nations under us, the peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. He has ascended among the shouts of joy. What did he ascend among? Um, excuse me? Um, excuse me? He ascended amidst the what? But how can I shout for joy when the world is quaking and we might all die? God's in control. Your next step is to praise Him. This is a season of praise. There's more praise coming out of the churches of uh, across the world than I have ever seen in my entire life. I have seen the wave of worship growing and growing and growing and growing. Why is that? Because the Lord is going to arise in the midst of his worshipers. He's going to arise in the midst of the clapping of his people. He is arising in the midst of this. And this is where the people of God has got to be. you got to calm your brain. We cannot... Have have fear we cannot and then we replace it with worship and I want to challenge every single one of you I love secular music there's great stuff out there but let's turn that off and put on some worship if you want the presence of God to begin to permeate this world and this place and your life and your house then start to worship because that's where he's going to arise make some changes yeah Verse 7, for, the, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. He is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. Every single one belong to God. For the sake of time, I'm going to go quickly. I'm just going to 2 Samuel 22. You, you can write it down. This is King David, and, and this is a prayer that he, that he prays, and, and he talks about how hard things were and how rough things were and how the coils of death were wrapped around him and the snares of the enemy had caught him, and, and he was in a bad way, and he did something. He did something, and it changed everything for him. He cried out. Everybody say cry out. And this isn't just a, hello, somebody. This is not a whining and complaining. This is an absolute shouting, God, help me. This is where we're at today, in the midst of our worship. And we don't cry out out of fear. We cry out in faith that he is hearing every single one of our cries. And he is turning his face towards us. And he is the God over every single nation. Nehemiah 1, 1 through 9, it talks about Nehemiah praying fervently for his nation of Israel that had been so disbanded and broken, just like ours is at some times. And the way I see it, and his response was to cry out, weep, mourn, fast, and pray. And he led the charge of rebuilding that nation. I find it interesting that in Genesis 2.8, we read about a tree, the tree of life, that, that, that the people would reach out and take, to, take of, partake of, and they would live. There was a river. I didn't tell you about the river. There was a river. There was rivers that flow out of that. That was the beginning of creation. Now, if you would for me, turn to Revelation 21. I'm going to read to you out of the last few chapters, the last few, the closing moments of creation as we know it. Revelation 21 verse 22 I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb were are its temple and the city does not need a sun or a moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its light and the nations will walk by its light and the king of kings of the earth will bring their splendor to it on no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it did you hear all these nations do you hear how the nations are starting to come to him Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. In other words, we have taken care of that inner turmoil. And all has been one, but only those whose names are written in the book of life. Then the angel, verse 1 of chapter 22, Then the angel showed me a river, the river of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood a tree, the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit in every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations." How is it the beginning starts with the river of life and the trees of life and the end shows us the same picture? God's intent is to heal the nations. God's intent is to take the broken nations, those that have have wounds, and those that are broken, and those that are dealing in poverty, and those that are under the curse. And His goal is to heal every single one of them. And the leaves of the trees, are, the tree, this tree of life, is for the healing of the nations. And the fruit, there's new fruit every month that comes along. I read a uh, sermon written in 1850 about this passage, and the the pastor's talk. The pastor talks. Uh, immensely about how that tree continues to live even now. And in the spirit realm, in in what we have to give and what the Lord is doing, he does it as what is needed at that time for the healing of the nations. Now I want to read you one last passage because I want to bring it home to you. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. He's overcome the war. The carnage is not of the spirit, but the carnage has been of the flesh. He has killed his flesh. He has overcome his flesh. And his spirit lives. Blessed is he. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water. Whose leaf, whose leaf will not wither. And whatever he does prospers. I'm going to tie this all together here today by telling you that though there was a tree at the beginning, and though there is a tree, a spiritual tree in the end, you are a living tree today. You, 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 the God's intention for you is that you would overcome, overcome, overcome the petty, Whatever sin that's trying to so easily beset you. And that you would not walk in the ways of the sinner. That you would not walk and sit in the seat of the scornful. And that you would not be a mocker. But that you would have set that beside yourself. You set that aside. And you have overcome. You, 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 you are a wise man or woman. And in that person, God then plants you, plants you by the river of life where you will never thirst. You will never, you will draw your nourishment from it and you will never, ever run dry. You will not have a drought And the purpose for that is that you would become a tree. That tree, the tree that flourishes and blossoms and your leaf never withers. America right now needs you. There will come a time where our nation will come to the tree of life in heaven and be fully healed. But until then, he has not left this place forsaken. He has given this nation you at the right time, at the right place, in the right generation, with the right teachings planted in the right church, with the right push. And now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time to not fear and worry. Shut that up. But now is the time to cry out to him and to pray and to fast and to weep and to mourn and to bring the love of God into our nation, and change it, rearrange it. I read a statistic that said, and I'm closing right now, let's all stand. Band, come forward. I read a statistic this week, a statistic that says that um, of all of the non-Christians in America, so take away the Christians, all the non-Christians, 20% 20% of those non Christians can honestly say they do not know a believer. They don't know a Christian. They don't know one. How is that? My guess is they do know one, they just don't know it. They just don't know it. My encouragement to you. Today is to not walk out of this place heavy, broken, scared, or discouraged. My desire for you is to walk out of this place sobered. Sobered. Because the best way for evil to overcome is if good people don't do anything. My goal for today for you is that you would walk out of here very sobered because. Our times that we live in are very sobering. I, I don't know. Things are popping up all the time. Every day there's another carnage of shooting. And, or every day there's another country going bankrupt. Or every day, this is not like it used to be. Does anybody ever remember days like this? It's different. Sober. Sober yourself, Christian. Sober yourself, oh bride of Christ. Wake up. But don't wake up into fear. Don't worry. Don't fret. Don't do it. Shut that up because that's Satan's first line to get you to do nothing. That's Satan's first line to paralyze you. Don't do that. Be still. Know he's God. Start worshiping him all the time. Worship, 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 praise, clapping your hands. Get an overcoming heart because that's where you belong cry out to God. Repent. I'm constantly repenting for the sins of this nation. Every morning as I'm out walking, I'm repenting for my own sins. Hallelujah. I got plenty of those to repent of. I'm repenting. I repent for every abortion that is going to take place that day. I, prep- I repent. We have to have a sobriety. I repent for every murder that's going to happen that day let alone what happened yesterday since the last time I repented. I repent for my own sins. Raise your hand right now in Jesus' name. Would you join me in my morning prayer right now? Father God, I just ask you right now, let the war inside of me produce the carnage of the flesh that needs to die. Die. Selfishness, fear, fear, Negativity, depression, greed, rebellion, idolatry, everything that would raise itself up against the name of the almighty God in my life, die. Die, because if you don't die, you will kill my spirit, and I don't want my spirit to die. Live, spirit. Raise up your spirit even now in Jesus' name. Cleanse us that we might be the Psalm 1 man who does not sit in the seat of the scarner and the mocker and the sinner. Cleanse us, cleanse us, cleanse us, cleanse us. And Father God, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you with all of our heart. We repent even now for the sins of this nation. Lord God, I thank you right now. You love America. You love it. You love it. You love it. You love how we were created. You love what we're founded on. And Father God, even now, I repent. I'm on this abortion thing. I'm sorry if you've had an abortion and this is not meant to make you feel bad. God's got redemption for you all the way. But I'm telling you what, I repent for every abortion that's being performed even now, even now. I repent for the violence of this world. I repent. I repent for the violent one. The violent one. I repent for murder. I repent for sexual immorality. I repent, Lord God, for fornication and and adultery, oh, Father God, and every evil thing. I repent, Lord God, for murder and hatred. I repent. I repent for criminal activity, stealing and lying and thievery. Lord God, I say right now that this nation, oh, Father God, we repent of that. Father God, right now we just ask you, we cry out to you, we cry out to you, and we declare your very words that you are pouring your spirit out upon our nation. That there's judgment unto salvation, not judgment under death. But there is a judgment under salvation across this nation beginning even today we love you, 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 we love you. Infuse these people even now with a strength, with a hope, a, a hope of the glory that's coming, a hope and a knowing. Fear, get off of these people. Fear, get off of these people in Jesus' name. Get off of them. Fear, worry, 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 concern, that gnawing, gut feeling, that thing that wants to trip you up. Get off of my people in Jesus' name. Get off of them. Get off of them. Give it up right now. Get it. Up. Don't feed that anymore. Don't feed it. Don't feed it. Don't feed it. Memorize Psalm 46 and feed it a little bit of that. And that will shut it up memorize that. Don't memorize what's going on out there. Don't memorize Fox News. They'll watch it so you know. But memorize Psalm 46. I will not fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. The, the worship team's going to play along and uh, have a great time. Michael, what are you doing? Are you going to... He's leaving me. I don't know what he's doing. But let's worship him. And let's live this year like never before, amen?